So go on, tell us about the yeah. bird box. Yeah, no, my daughter got me a bird box for Christmas. I'm in a, I'm in Knock Lion and I'm working from a home office, which is great. So I can look out into the garden and there's hedges and it's all nice. So my daughter got me a bird box with a camera in it for Christmas. So I stuck it up and um, it works great. I've had a little visitor. So uh, I, I have this little um, great tit. I know it's a great tit. And I get this lovely video footage of it. Um, and it comes visiting. It's sort of checking out nest boxes and stuff. And it uh, comes visiting. It turns up and I get a little warning on my phone. My phone goes beep beep. And I can log in and take a look. I was in um, Spain last week. And I was mooching around, as you do, like yeah. mooching, around Barcelona, mooching around Barcelona with Lorraine. And my phone goes warble, warble. And I can pick it up and look at it. And there's live shots from my bird box in Knock Lion of a little blue tit or a great tit, one or the other. Uh, so, yeah, hopefully I shall have a nest. Jesus, Connor, Connor, you're like a farmer. You know the way the, the farmers yeah. have their cameras set up for their calving cows or whatever it is. Yeah, exactly, it's like, yeah. oh, you're going into labor now. I better go back or whatever it is. This is you since retirement, which we're going to talk about in a moment. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, I am joined this week by the legend. Uh, that is Mr. Connor Faulkner. Now, yeah. when I say the legend, now, Con Connor, look, I'm not massaging your ego here, but <laughs> we're still in that time where your name is possibly, and to, to my jealous rage, as well as every motor <laughs> journalist's jealous rage, your name is, I suppose, most synonymous with the motor industry in Ireland. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'll put it this way, Connor, right? So, ladies and gentlemen, uh, introduce into the room Mr. Connor Faulkner, <laughs> uh, once of AA Ireland fame, now of his own podcast fame, which we're also going to talk about in a few moments. But here's the thing, right? So in mm. the past, Connor, right? So as you know, I've 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 had the pleasure of working with places like Car Buyer's Guide and my own yeah, yeah. and other things like that. But I remember going into a an interview once, not just in the motor sphere. I suppose the motor stuff kind of followed me. I, I do marketing now where yeah, you know, yeah. and I talk and write about software development and things like that. But it got to the stage where I'd go into a job interview, uh, in particular, Car Buyer's Guide, and yeah. it, it happened in a few other places too. And they turn around and say, yeah, but, but could you be like Connor Faulkner <laughs> um, to, to us? Could you be our Connor Faulkner? I was like, Fucking Connor Faulkner, who's yeah. that guy? Who, who I became a, I became I became a noun, and you know it was all all kind of a big surprise for me because I wound up working for thirty years in the AA, which yeah. is an incredible length of time. And um, so I went in there as a as a youngster. They were just starting AA Roadwatch, the traffic reports, and I wanted to be a radio journalist. That's kind of insofar as I wanted to be anything. That's what I reckoned I could do, uh, and I started doing traffic reports with them, and then you know. Suddenly, thirty years passed. I, I, um, I got, I, I went for a, a more senior job in the AA, and I wound up in this kind of senior management role, and then as a director in there, and you know, running the business, which was, you know, with with the team doing that, and that was exciting enough from a business point of view. Um, but then the thing that everybody will know me for is, of course, I was AA's media spokesman all through that time, from yeah. my, from my earliest time doing traffic reports. Uh, you know, and with a slightly unusual name and very much the one drum to bang of the AA guy, uh, became very well known over the, over the years, over an interesting period in, in Irish life as well. And I guess I've been a, a pundit for that length of time. So, um, and yeah, I, I, I get known for that. Yeah, it, 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 It's incredible, though, how well you did it, um, Connor. right? Now, now yeah. I, I, I'm see, I have all these thoughts in my mind. I'm like, I'm, I must, I must put that one on the shelf and I'll come back to it. But, it, but it's amazing how you did it, Connor. Right? So, look, I, I'm saying this with the most respect in the world because mm. I called on you on numerous occasions to help me. Yeah, we did a fair bit. Stuff, yeah, right. So, 
but but it was you you did it so well right so what what everyone realizes you work for AA okay yeah. uh, or you worked for AA and which which are at the end of the day uh, an insurance provider and so mm. much more within Ireland right but you you were so good that it was overlooked that that you know you're you're a brand yeah. spokesperson as such and uh, like that that to me is pure professionalism you had it down yeah. with tea and you were the go-to guy for everything motor related yeah well you know one of the, one of the easiest ways to stay straight on that all through the years uh, was just to be straight up front about it i mean the aa had a funny arc it would, it would you know originally it was a mutual organization and it was really almost like a motoring consumer organization as well as physically fixing the cars um, and it had the reputation for that and the thing is a hundred years old it's a very respectable old organization and then in the modern world you know it, it, it is that still and then flog an insurance to beat the band <laughs> so I would you know I'd find myself doing both I mean I, I could go into an Oireachtas committee to give our view as an insurance brokerage on you know what's going right what's going wrong or, or and, you know plenty was going wrong and chip into the reforms and uh, um, but you know in the context of being a business selling into that market and yet at the same time for you know honest reasons of, of legacy and legacy and heritage we're still the AA and we had AA road watch and you know when it snowed and stuff really people out there so we, we tended to be the consumer's voice um, and you know up against the consumer was government more taxes on fuel more to vrt this that and the other um and on, on the other side of that uh, business so buying your insurance is, is the car dealer being straight with you our services being done correctly is your insurance company giving you a big you know a good deal or a bum deal um, and all of those things the AA naturally involved in as a, as a campaigning organization consumer organization big part of the legacy and heresy the, and, and you know the, the legacy of the brand um, and as business strategy will tell you you know you, you've got to be unique you've got to be an unusual voice so I guess one of the things I've tried to do is make the brand famous. Uh, you, you want to sell insurance, you're, you're never going to spend as much on advertising as an Aviva or an AXA or one of those massive trading rivals, much bigger pockets. Uh, so you do what you can and, you know, through marketing and earned media, as they say. So it was always helpful for me to, to continue that AA tradition. And um, yeah, I, you know, I, I did, became very well known for it. And very much trusted for it, right? Um, mm. And and even still, and I know Paddy Commons uh, after taking over the role and he's doing a great job. But e even still, you, I feel that you helped build AA into a an extremely trusted brand, right? Uh, yeah. And and it also helps. You probably had a good marketing team near you as well because the mm. ads, the constant ad of the AA truck helping the car out and stuff yeah. like that, and and. Like Connor, mucho respect for you. Like, uh, yeah, yeah. I, well, they were God. an easy crowd to represent, Dara. In all honesty, because particularly the guys on the road, they were brilliant. Uh, I mean, they, they and uh, it's not just the situation that the motorists find themselves in, because when you're broken down, you know, you're you're generally very very happy to see the yellow help van arrive. Um, so that's a that's a good start. And uh, but you no, know, their customer service was brilliant. You know, they were very ingenious uh, mechanics and all that very very you know well trained and all that but normally your predicament didn't truly tax their mechanical skills and um, but they really needed to be good guys in terms of customer service you know they can change the tire they can do this that and the other and um, but they really need to look after the member when they got there and that that ethos of service is in them since long before my time and please god continues long after so they were always nice guys to represent um, and guys and girls on on the team and then things like a road watch again was just very famous in our 
Ireland, you know, kind of ubiquitous, particularly whenever the weather was bad and all of that. So we, we were usually there in our capacity as either experts or honest brokers or, um, uh, you know, public good uh, type media commentary. So I, I was normally I was normally the good guy and normally the expert. Uh, which for a PR spokesperson is a nice place to be. But there, there, we are, there was the odd time where, you know, I, I had to defend very, very, you know, things that had gone very, very badly wrong or times when I was unambivalently the bad guy um, or even just when I was seen as the representative of the insurance industry and everybody just wanted to throw stones at me. And it, you know, sometimes you have to play that role as well. But, but I think if there's a common arc, I mean, I, I, think, I think I have been honest in terms of my own assessments of things. I mean, I say on my Twitter profile, I'm the XAA guy. Opinions have always been my own. Um, and, I, and I, you know, I, I, th I think that's self-evident. I, I normally don't say things that I can't stand over. Um, I, I, you know, I, I, I try to be sort of calm and rational in assessing things. And um, I, I try to be somewhat measured in my comments because, um, you know, it's easy to say something in heat. Uh, which in the context of a conversation might be perfectly reasonable, but but when Googled a month later and it comes up in the commentary, it just doesn't, yeah. um, you know, sound. so you try, try and stay calm in what are sometimes heated arguments, but um, it's it's a role I enjoyed playing, you know, and a nice distraction from the actual hard work of the business side of the AA, where I was just, a, a you know, a one director amongst colleagues regularly getting beaten up over red numbers on spreadsheets and things like that. <laughs> that's, that's my least favorite part of every day, Connor. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Li listen, before we move on, because I, I actually want some of your, your newfound opinions now that you're, mm -hmm. like, I want some of the Connor Faulkner gold that, <laughs> that you've given us for years. But I, I, I'm going to ask you quite a personal question. And yeah. if you don't want to talk about it, it's no problem. But how did you feel that day that you put down your pen for the last time with AA Ireland? Because it, look, once again, we talk about what yeah. you're doing now, but like, I mean, 30 years is a long time. Was part of you kind of like, yes, and the other part like, oh, what am I going to do? Well, well I mean, it, it was all yes. I mean, I, I was delighted. It had been, actually had been a little while coming behind the scenes, but it's, I, I certainly felt it was uh, time. Uh, for some reason, I felt 30 years was a significant uh, landmark, <laughs> um, you know. <laughs> But, but no, I had one, and I'm relatively young. I'm, I'm 53 now. So, um, you know, if I wanted to do other things in earnest um, and a, a certain confidence of events, I, 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 you know, it, it happened to suit. The AA had just changed ownership uh, for the seventh time in my tenure there in the AA. But new, new owners, new investors coming in. I had very much been part of the previous investment team. So, you know, they're bringing in new guys. They're doing their new things. So the timing was absolutely uh, fine for me. So we, we worked it out together and off I went and, and I wished them well. So it kind of had been coming and in the end it happened quite neatly. Uh, the odd thing really, Dara, was that it, it happened in the middle of COVID. So the whole thing was kind of bloody surreal, you know, I'd, uh, um, uh, and, and now, please God, we're, we're, we're coming out of that into a, into a new world. But no, I, I was delighted to, um, uh, to to close the book on it and close the chapter and and, and move on. And, I, you know, I'll always be the AI guy in a sense and that. You know, you, you, you'd always picture John Wayne wearing a cowboy hat and I'd, I'd always carry a bit of that around with me and happy to do it, but happy also to leave it behind. Connor, I found myself uh, and this is pretty much purely due to COVID-19 that I was listening to less, let's say, news programming. OK, um, I, I, I had to switch off. Uh, it, it got to a point where it was too much for me, my kids, my wife, whatever. And it was constant. Now, now it's constant Ukraine stuff. But at least I'm able yeah, to sit yeah. down at six o'clock and watch the news. Uh, yeah. And I read my articles during the day. But so I, I'm listening to listening to less news radio. 
I suppose my question to you is since, and once again, we'll talk about your podcast in a moment, but yeah, since yeah. you left AA, are you fa- finding yourself still being called upon to be the spokesperson on motors? Yeah, I am. I am because, you know, for my sins, I'm 30 years soaked in the knowledge and I am doing a little bit of consultancy and a few bits and pieces of work. So it's not as if I'm literally on a golf course in Spain or anything like that. I, and, um, you know, I'm around and I know a lot of the producers on the existing shows. So that's, I am a name in the Rolodex. So, um, you know, they ring me and I, I'm happy to do it. And I'm regularizing that a little bit now. So I'm going to do a regular slot with Pat Kenny wow. um, where we'll, you know, because there's always um, topics to my general sphere of expertise that are coming up. I mean, at the moment, the fuel prices and their consequences and what we do about that. And, um, uh, you know, so there's always stuff that's, there's always stuff that's topical. And I guess I I, I commentate on it. Um, I still get people's press releases and I still am nerd enough to to read up on some of the stuff that I've been talking about. Uh, You know, in the past, I had the AA behind me. So, you know, I get a query about something technical to do with uh, cars and I just, consult with the guys and in five minutes flat I'll be an expert I, I don't have that behind me anymore but uh, um but you know uh, I, I'm still paying attention to what's going on do, do, do you know Connor okay so I'm I'm officially four and a half maybe years out of the motor game right I am mm. uh, it was very difficult knocking on doors as a freelancer saying pay me pay me yeah. um so so now i'm a hobbyist right but i have i've found and i only start this podcast maybe six seven weeks ago but i found uh since i've done that there's an immense amount of freedom not having somebody behind you i know i know there's the freedom of i can find out anything i want off my mechanics to answer that question but you said a few moments ago, and I completely agree with you. Yeah. You don't say something that you're not sure of. Like yeah, I have exactly. this policy in life is don't bullshit. Just turn mm. around and answer what you know. And if you don't know, there's no shame in saying, I don't know. I, I can find you out, point you in the right direction. Mm. But right now I don't know. But I find this immense freedom when I'm talking to motor journalists and people like yourself that I, I'm, I, I don't have to worry about my brand when I'm talking about cars. I don't mm. have to worry about any of that. And, and I hope you get a taste of that. Yeah. Oh, it is quite liberating. That's for sure. Yeah, it, it is. Um, and you're free, free to do other things. So um, I, I can do a couple of things that are sort of parallel interests. Um, and, and I'm not in the corporate um, treadmill because uh, it, it did feel like a hamster wheel, to be honest with you. And, um, you know, the constant busyness of it and the, the fact that it soaks up all of your time. I mean, e- even while it can be stimulating and fun, can also be a pain in the uh, you know, pain yeah. in the arse, and, and it, it just stops you doing other things. Um, so uh, you know, t- t- time to smell the roses, do a few other things, and, and I'm certainly enjoying that at the moment. As I say, I'm talking to you from my from my new home office in the garden, and um, I, I m- managed to do a few. I feel quite grown up. I, I've got I've got a VAT. I, I do. I've, I'm, you know, I've, I've got a I've, I've got a VAT registration number now, and I even had an invoice paid. I feel like an adult. So. Um, <laughs> but, but, uh, so, so, so somewhere between somewhere between a hobbyist and the you know the corporate grindstone that uh, or the corporate hamster wheel uh, that I was running around on for thirty years it, it, it is where I am now. Connor, oh, oh, okay. Now, w- once again, I'm not massaging ego here, right? Uh, <laughs> but you're you're brilliant to listen to, and I've always thought that, uh, and uh, like uh, I stand by that. So here's mm. my question to you, right? So who is Connor the man? Okay. Um, oh. <laughs> no, 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 hold on. <laughs> Apart from motors, okay. Um, if it wasn't motors, what would it be? Right. So, so for me, if it wasn't motors, my hobby would be film, for example. 
Oh, okay. Yeah, well, that'll be a much more interesting one. Um, well, for, for, for me, um, I, I sort of drifted into motors because I got, I became employed by the AA. So, you know, that's uh, perforce over the years, I just became soaked and soaked in it and then became interested in its own right. Um, and I, you know, I, I guess I always will be. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I, I'm very ordinary, I have to say. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm married very young and I have three kids now who are adults, well adults. Um, and there's, so there's five of us living in the family home in Loch Lyon, which is a, a, a fun dynamic. It's, they're all doing their own things, but, you know, Dublin being what it is, they, they, they all live at home. So we thoroughly enjoy that. I, you know, I play a bit of golf for myself and the rain, travel a bit. We're, we're, we're rugby nuts, Leinster season ticket holders since the kids were tots. And uh, we go to a fair bit of rugby. So we'll be going to, um, you know, I'll be going to the Triple Crown match against Scotland this uh, coming Saturday. We're, the whole family are going, which would be great. And we do rugby trips. I'll be going to the Heineken Cup final in the south of France in May. And, um, you know, a, a good a good excuse to potter around. Oh, OK, Connor, you brought it up. OK, ladies and gentlemen, um, by the time this is released, it'll be Sunday. So what me and yeah. Connor are about to talk about now will have happened yesterday. But we'll yeah, see how much yeah. of a uh, clairvoyant Connor is. Um, OK, so we got these three games happening this weekend. OK, yeah. uh, Wales, who've had a bit of a disastrous campaign in Italy. That's mm. fine. Uh, we can guess that's going to be Wales. Yeah, I, I have said from day one, from day one, that Scotland were going to be our banana skin, but we get to that in a moment. Mm. And then we mm. have that nail biter at the end. What's going to happen between France and look, I want your predictions. Um, well, look, in a, in a better world, we would have beaten France in Paris and it would be a Grand Slam match. So firstly, Ireland and the Triple Crown. Um, I think Ireland will beat Scotland on uh, Saturday. We're actually Scotland's bogey team for the last 10 years. I mean, Scotland can beat anybody, virtually anybody on the planet. They've beaten England three times in a row. Uh, they've beaten England years when we didn't. Um, but for some reason, they just haven't got it over the line against Ireland. We've been a real bogey team for them. Their season's been a little disappointing. Um, and, uh, you know, Ireland over the last year have been, not only have they been very, very good, at the Aviva Stadium, they've been impregnable. So, um, you know, a bookies generally unemotional bunch that they are probably have Ireland by something like 10 points. And I would be surprised if the outcome were any different. Um, great for us. We'll be at it. And, you know, hang me if I'm wrong. And then uh, the, the Paris game, which is actually more interesting, is will France close out Le Chalem for the first time in uh, a dozen years? I think they probably will. Oh. Perver perversely, I think England have almost got more of a chance now than they did before the Ireland game um, because the English pack were heroic and yeah. uh, they will take some energy from the defeat um, and they can slow that French pack um, now the French defence has been brilliant um, and England couldn't fire a shot against Ireland so it's hard to see where England are going to get a try from if anywhere but they can rattle the French they can kick penalties and the French have their own inbuilt self-destruct button and sometimes with 20 minutes to go in an intense match in Paris with their own crowd on their backs and um, France could beat themselves so there is a scenario whereby England win this game but I think it's unlikely. I think France will close it out. Connor, would you agree with me here? Um, I, obviously, you don't have to. But so Ireland, England last week, after two minutes, we were playing a team, mm. sons, one member, um, yeah, 14 yeah. men. Um, and up until the 70th minute, I was surprised that we like I was like, shit, 
there is no out here for us. So what was it, 15 15 and that flattering score line we got at the very end? Yeah, um, but I mean, rug, rug, rugby is often like I see, it's very easy to sound expert after the fact because I was chewing my fingernails at 15 all like everybody else, thinking, good Jesus, don't let this go wrong. Um, but actually, it was never likely to. And, and often a team can hang in there heroically for 60 minutes, but that last quarter puts the result beyond doubt. And you'll see that even in some of Italy's results where the score line is relatively tight at 60 minutes. And at the end, it looks like a blowout. We did it against New Zealand ourselves for years. You know, we'll be in the game at 60 minutes. At the end of the game, it looks like a blowout. So I think, unfortunately, heroic 14-man England were just gassed by the end. And provided Ireland stayed patient, it was inevitable that they were going to come. Now, perhaps nice and neat that four tries and a bonus point came right at the end. Um, but, but uh, you know, the, 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 the calm person looking at that, who's neither Irish nor English, would have said against 14 men for 78 minutes, the result's inevitable. Yeah, I, I found it hard to be calm while I watched that game. Oh, oh, no, oh, no, no, oh Jesus. <laughs> you, you, just, when I, just as an aside, when our family watch rugby, we go ballistic. I mean, yeah. we can make the, I mean, my son, one of my sons plays rugby, he's big enough, lad. And uh, we and, and actually my two sons do their own rugby podcasts. They're utter rugby nerds. They have cool. the, the, the Overlap Rugby podcast on YouTube and uh, they cover a lot of tier two rugby. So they've kind of got followers in the South Pacific and all sorts of stuff. And, they, they, they'd be amused to see me on a podcast talking about rugby and no doubt I get slagged over it. Um, <laughs> but, we, but, but we, you know, we, 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 we do that. We, we, we like our rugby, we like GAA, the dubs during the summer and um, we travel a bit and happy out. My, my, my wife, Lorraine, is a physio, so she's still working away in, in Kappa Hospital. And um, yeah, we, we, we enjoy our golf and we enjoy our, our, our life here in Knock Lyon. Awesome. Right. Let's let's move on from that. Right. I do want to talk to you about fuel price. So, ladies and gentlemen, yeah. we will be talking about fuel prices in a moment. But before yeah, we get we're going to that, get to the business, the business end where we do the, uh, you know, here we are talking expertly about the bad news stuff. Yeah, I'm, I'm, got, I'm actually going to leave all that bit to you, Connor. Um, but <laughs> hold on. But before we do, I want to talk about your own podcasting, because um, yeah. I, I, I suppose when I first when I first heard that you were doing this, I was kind of I was relieved if I'm if I, if I'm being honest with you mm. Um, like I'm. I'm delighted that you you went ahead and did the podcast. I the last one I listened to was Henry McKean, uh, which I thought oh, was Henry, and, yeah. and and his his days spent with Brian O'Driscoll on the rugby field mm. for the few weeks that he did it together. That's right. Um, yeah, Henry's a lovely guy. But come here, He's tell us about your 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 podcast. What's um, I suppose what's on the plan? Yeah, um, what's on the plan? Well, well, it's I mean it's it's pretty unstructured. I, I called it Driving Life with Connor Faulkner because it had to have a name. <laughs> so yeah. minor minor cringe there and it's on a platform called seniortimes.ie who are actually great guys and they, they, they approach me they have a platform they have a pretty large listenership base um, and they have some really good people doing podcasts with them gary cook the comedian does an excellent podcast with them they've had mike murphy the uh, xrte presenter do some really he, uh, for example he did a He's done podcast chats on, on the platform with um, Michael D. Higgins, with Dennis O'Brien, which was brilliant. Um, and they asked me to do it. So the basic idea is I just chat to people a little bit about their history and driving. You know, So I asked them 
do they drive much or who taught you how to drive but it's a bit of a swathe it's just an excuse to chat to some interesting people and um, so I, I've, I've spoken to the likes of Ivan Yates and George Hook and Teresa Mannion from RTE and uh, Henry is the one you heard and uh, and, and various others and I've, I've enjoyed the chats and um, so they're, they're sort of 45 minute chats they're they're about loosely themed with uh, with motoring some interesting people uh, in some cases just friends of mine uh, as opposed to voices that you will know so there's a guy called Gary Fremantle is the CEO of Antashka. Me and Gary go way back, so I did a, had a little chat with him. Uh, I had a chat with Dublin's Lord Mayor, um, recorded, about to go up on my podcast, and um, uh, I, I, I ch chatted with um, people like Klaus Kramer, who's an old buddy of mine, and Klaus uh, is, is now an artist. He lives in County Clare, but um, he was, for years, he was involved in Formula One. He was in the FIA as their press secretary, uh, so loads of kind of interesting stories about Schumacher and stuff like that. That and, and chewing the fat about our time working together so it's been fun and and they're up there there's about a dozen of them up there now driving life with connor falkland if you google it uh, and it's me having the chats with some interesting people some you know and some you won't um connor i want to ask you right if you could interview anyone tomorrow who would it be <laughs> um David Attenborough might be right up there. Nice. Um, as a as a kind of a really fascinating guy. Um, there's people I'm I'm like there's people I might have coming up in the podcast, which would be you know, which would you know be great if they said yes. Uh, but I guess in fantasy land, if I was look, George Clooney would be a good one to get. Um, I think he and I would have an awful lot in common. <laughs> um, yeah, actually, one of the things that kind of would interest me about uh, George Clooney or others is sort of people who have two lives. Uh, I mean, Klaus, the German guy I mentioned, you know, was in Formula One, but he's also a brilliant photographer, photographic artist. Um, I have a guy who's a, a good pal of mine who's 30 years a teacher, but he's also a real history buff, writes history books and fascinating take on the world. So I kind of like people who've done it twice. I mean, Gary Fremantle was a, a, a pal of mine, a fellow director in the AA with me. And now he's the CEO of Antashka. So uh, that kind of interests me. And, and, you know, Ivan Yates is great that way. I had a good chat the other day with Frankie Sheehan, the um, uh, Munster in Ireland rugby international. And uh, he was 14 years a rugby pro. Now he's in business doing something completely different. So I kind of, I, li I like when there's a bit of, you know, when there's two distinct sides to people. Uh, so George Clooney, the actor, and George Clooney, who, you know, married a preeminent human rights lawyer and is very fascinating globally and turned down 35 million euro from a, a Middle Eastern uh, business uh, for one day's work filming a TV ad. Um, so that would be an interesting chat, I think. Maybe oh, last yeah. yeah. No, that, that, that's a that's a absolutely brilliant list. Um, and, and I like that idea of people who, who've kind of lived it twice type of thing. I, I like yeah. that. It's, and I suppose you'd get that an awful lot from like you mentioned Frankie Sheehan there and I suppose there's a lot of kind of sports stars that turned into business people if you know what I mean yeah. um, so certainly in GAA I noticed that like if you look at the likes of e even more recent ones like um uh, uh, Bernard Brogan for example who's yeah. gone from sports yeah. to sports management and now there is That's a link right. there but it's it's kind of yeah. the marketing side of sports management and it's, it's I, I've, I've met I've met Bernard Brogan socially it's brilliant guy I mean he would be a great guy to chat to on the podcast as well but but you're right and there's something about I mean if you're going to succeed as a sportsman professionally or near as damn it professionally with the dubs um, you know it, almost certainly you're going to be a very single-minded goal-focused uh, self-motivated individual so it's no surprise that their crossover skills you know if you take that mindset into uh, particularly when they go into business for themselves they tend to do it with 
you know, tr tr tremendous energy and focus. And I guess it's you know, wouldn't have been successful sports stars if they didn't have that. Absolutely right. Let Let's move on to 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 the serious talk now, right? So. Yeah. Uh, obviously, what are we on? Day 21. So, folks, once again, myself and Connor are recording this on Wednesday, 16th of March. So, happy St. Patrick's Day. It's been and yeah, gone yeah, yeah. and everything else like that. But uh, day 21 of the war is on us. Uh, Ukraine and Russia and, or sorry, Russia, I suppose, invading Ukraine and things like that. Mm. And uh, obviously, Connor, that's had a massive effect on fuel prices. Likewise, has inflation. So, even before Russia went in, uh, inflation was upon us and the prices were going up yeah. rapidly. There was nothing slow about this. It, it, this just, yeah. it just kept going. Now, uh, as of now, uh, last week, I can tell you that my local garage was two euro. Um, mm. But as of now, with the government uh, cut and everything else like that, we're looking at 183.9. So, we have a campus mm. fuel station down the road from us here. Okay, so yeah. I went down to it last night. I had a look. I wasn't. I, there's a little across the road. I was going across to do my shopping. I had a look, 183.9, which is drastic. Okay. Yeah. So first off, I have a few questions for you on this, but I yeah. suppose given your professional background to date, what are your thoughts on where we are with fuel prices at the moment? Okay. Uh, well, listen, it's obviously a long story, and there's a fair bit to it. But oil, oil, oil. The main driver of this is the oil price. Uh, globally, this is an enormous problem. Um, oil is humanity's heroin. It, 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 the, the world still, unfortunately, runs on the damn stuff. Um, it, it doesn't help that it, it, it is controlled often, often by some of the worst regimes on the planet. Um, if we don't get oil from Putin, uh, we have to reopen conversations in the Middle East, in Venezuela, in Iran. Um, and, and all of this, the 21st century arc of human history has got to be getting ourselves off oil and fast. Uh, I mean, one of the things of the current situation is it may actually give a great boost to electric vehicles, which were coming anyway, but it really demonstrates the urgency uh, to the consumer of we have got to get off oil, we've got to get off oil fast, but we're not off it yet. Uh, the world still runs on the damn stuff. So if you look at what's happened to the oil price during COVID, unsurprisingly, the oil price dropped, uh, global demand dropped. Everybody understands that. Um, but not only did demand drop, supply and the pipeline slowed down as well. So refineries slowed down, additional stocks and reserves were not produced, everything paused. So when the world began to open up after COVID, economists everywhere were expecting, so we're going to get inflation in the short term, because the supply, the supply chain is gonna just be stuck and it's gonna take time to fire up and we're gonna get a spike, but that should wash through and then the inflation effect should go. And that was the received wisdom only 12 months ago. Um, now the inflationary effect came along, oil prices went up, you then have the war preventing them coming down again. Um, the David McWilliams podcast, very interesting on this at the moment, actually, as well. I mean, the oil price is where it is currently in expectation that Russian supply will be cut off. But anyway, for us back here, what it means is that the oil price went up. Now, the oil prices, it, it, it went up to about $120 per barrel, actually fell back a little bit. Uh, so as we speak now, down around $100 per barrel, still very high. By no means unprecedented. I mean, curiously enough, in, in 12 years ago in the financial crisis, oil went up to nearly, just before the financial crisis, oil went up to nearly $150 a barrel. Um, but at yes. that time, yeah, at that time, we only paid about 140 at the pumps and the difference there is tax. D during the, the um, post-crash years, 
and um, the Irish government put a succession of additional taxes on fuel. We didn't notice when oil prices were low. Now oil prices go back up to $100 per barrel, and by Jesus, we notice now. It's after pushing the price at the pumps over two litres. So, you know, they, we will have to, in some sense, get used to this. They knocked a bit off the excise duty and down it came. Um, but diesel, because of Irish government choices, diesel and petrol are going to stay expensive. That's policy for climate change reasons. Yes. Motorists have to get used to it. It's also in the short term a disaster economically because we, you know, we didn't expect this oil price surge and it is causing problems. So we have to do something to address. Well, Connor, well, I, I suppose my, my biggest problem is, right, so let, let's take the norm as being 183.9. I've got a diesel car, right? Hmm. Uh, reason being when I bought it and I still do long trips to Donegal and Wexford, the only yeah. place I go in the car, right? But here's the thing so at the moment 183.9 is the new norm and to be honest with you a lot of us are sitting there kind of going if we can keep it at that price now for the next few months because we know what's coming down the road uh we we know that if 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 a stop is put on oil coming in from russia etc the price is going to go even higher and higher and higher and economists are saying that jesus we could be looking them way higher and then if you look at electricity and everything else the rates going up by 35 percent or whatever it is during the week my problem i suppose is kind of right so when the, and and look, I, I'm really I really apologize if I'm kind of if I seem like I'm fretting over the war just because of petrol prices, right? I'm not. There's so much more to the war than mm. petrol prices, so I please don't confuse me with thinking that. But my problem is when the war is over, and let's say a couple of months afterwards, when stocks are refi- refilled, 183.9 in my mind is going to become the new norm. So even when it's back then to as low as $50 a barrel, um, we're still going to be paying 170, 180 plus for our, our petrol. Well, we, we, we might, we probably will not, because one thing that actually has been true generally is that the Irish retail price faithfully tracks the oil price. Often people don't believe that. I would regularly get people say to me, the local garage is ripping me off, or he's done this with the price, or he's done that with the price, or, oh God, they go up very quickly, they go only go down very slowly. Yeah. And actually in the AA, we looked for that. We, 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 measured oil, we measured the oil price, the exchange rate, the wholesale price, the retail price on average countrywide. We looked at it by brand, by county, by up, by down, by sideways. <laughs> for good or ill, there's reasonable competition on four ports in Ireland and the oil price is, once the taxes are added, more or less faithfully passed on. The individual garages don't make much, they make buttons on a litre of petrol. If you don't buy a cup of coffee as well, they don't make any profit on you at all. So it's really not where the money is going. The big chunks of money are going in tax. And of course it it is upstream of us, uh, the oil price as affected by the globe and, and, and the dollar versus the euro as affected by the globe. We don't really have a lot of influence on that here in Ireland. There was a lot of talks, talk in recent, well, certainly in the last seven days, right? Since the government made the change on the price mm. about price gouging, okay? Yeah. And of course, the 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 talk, the think tanks for the petrol industry came out, or for the for the fuel industry came out and said, no, 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 no. Uh, the prices went up because we pay we paid it a month ago or whatever it was. Mm. Now that didn't ring true for me. Um, per, per, personally, but, but my reckoning of what they said was we paid more for it than uh, a month ago when it was cheaper and therefore we've increased the price. Like there was a day, there was a 24 hour period after the announcement mm-hmm. that this was going to happen, that everyone yeah. pushed it up beyond two euro. 
Yeah, no, that you know, I, I suspect that that broadly is true. Um, again, Dara, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm all, I'm all for, um, you know, conspiracy theories when they happen to be true. Uh, sometimes they aren't, though. And but it is complicated. And look, there are shenanigans that go on sometimes. But broadly, if you're a wholesaler, if you're buying petrol, you're you're going to be making a contract for delivery in four weeks' time, or five weeks' time, or six weeks' time, and you'll strike a contract price and you'll bring that in. One of the things that's interesting is a barrel of oil gets sold, gets bought and sold multiple times, even while it's on its journey. And, um, you know, there are people sitting in front of computer screens in Frankfurt and London, and they're literally gambling hundreds of millions on small short term fluctuations in the oil price. Yes. They're speculating as if they were in a bloody casino. So what you've seen over the years, what I've seen over the years is often oil will spike up very high over a headline trouble in the Middle East. The oil price shoots right up. Um, and, and then, you know, within a day or less, even sometimes on the same day, it'll come back down again. And part of what you're seeing there is big money speculating on the bloody roulette wheel. And that actually has nothing to do with the wholesaler in Ireland who's contracted a delivery in five weeks time and has struck a price on it. So um, generally speaking, if you want to see the sharper practices, they happen further up the food chain um, but, but, in, but, in oil, certainly. But Connor, right. Oh, oh, okay, so what day of the week it was it was last oh god it was last friday i think uh that that the changes came in so there would have been announced thursday night and they came into effect friday morning okay mm. and twitter the twitter sphere went mad right and there was pictures of certain petrol stations where the prices went up to even 215 yeah. per liter etc 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 right so yeah. it, it was really high right and um, so with and there could have been individual garages taking the mickey in among that, uh, just by the way, because there's no rule there. If, 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 I, if I own a garage, I can charge a 10 or a litre if I think somebody will pay it. But Connor, so Connor, there, there was stop them doing that. There was one chain in particular that where everyone uh, reported that they went beyond, they went north of two euro, right? And a lot of mm -hmm. stick and a lot of abuse and it ended up on the news and everything else like that. Yeah. And coincidentally, then two days later, they're down to 185. Hmm. Yeah, too much of a coincidence. Like I'm sorry, I'm I'm jumping all over this conspiracy. Yeah, theory I know, I know, I know. And and look, we, we, as I say, certainly shenanigans go on because it, just in terms of legally, but people might know if you're an individual garage, the chances are something like 60, 70 percent of those are franchisees. So they may fly the flag off whatever oil company you can see, and there'll be in a supply contract with them, but they, they're running their own business and they're free by law to set their own price. And as I say, if it's Connor's garage, I can charge a tenner a litre if I think you will pay it. Um, and there used to be a maximum price order. Older people will remember up until the early 1990s, there was a government maximum price order. So petrol was the same everywhere. And the companies gave away tiger tokens and other sorts of bits and pieces, but there was no real price competition. It was deregulated in October 1991. And there's been price competition garage level since then. Within that, you will see local fluctuations. We've always advised the motorists to shop around. Somebody might be getting a delivery late or somebody else this, that, and the other, or it might just be somebody's got a better price and, you know, look around for competition. But broadly speaking, and it, it, it does get passed on. We, we looked for evidence of cartels. Um, we shared some findings with the Competition Authority at one stage in, in, concerning the northwest of Ireland. Um, we were looking for things like uh, laundered diesel as well. So a fair amount did go on. Um, and, and, but, but broadly speaking, you know, that's not where the money is going, Dara. 
that's not where the money is going. Um, you know, it, it, it is, as I say, it, it's it's further up the food chain. Um, and, and it comes fundamentally from our dependence on oil. Uh, Ireland is a very oil dependent country. Oil is smell, smelly, horrible, nasty stuff. It's it's the technology of the last century. We've got to get off it. So um, we need to get ourselves into electric cars and, and set about generating clean electricity and, and do it that way. Okay, so electric vehicles, which believe it or not, next on my list, right? So electric vehicles, <laughs> right? Uh, thoughts on EV infrastructure in Ireland? Um, I, I ask this question all the time, not, not specifically about infrastructure. I ask the question very mm. simply, are we there yet? Um, the, the, the answer is no, and government will fall short of its target. It was targeted just less than a million um, electric vehicles by 2030. They will not hit that target. Uh, if they do or come close to it, it won't be because of what government has done. It'll be because of what industry has done, because electric cars are becoming magnificently good magnificently good and all of the research and development money is going in there volkswagen alone volkswagen group uh, is investing something like four billion euros per annum into electric vehicle development over the next six seven years they've already committed the money it's astonishing and um, you know tesla is the star there but but all of them that huge resource of big capital is all pointed towards electric vehicles and they're going to progress the same way that smartphones did uh, so you'll, you know, the most reluctant motorist will buy an electric vehicle because there'll be nothing else to buy. Um, and that will come along quite quickly. So obstacles at the moment, um, they're still expensive. So expensive, you know, yeah. I, I, I wound up like you, Dara, I do a couple of long journeys, don't drive that much, actually, but I go down to my mother in Sligo. So when I was leaving the AA, I looked at electric vehicles, not practical. I, I took a, an old fleet car with me, uh, a, a seven year old um a seven-year-old Skoda Superb diesel estate. Grandeur. Thing is we have the same car. There you go. Thing hey. is bulletproof. Yeah, thing is That's bulletproof. Brilliant. And it'll go up and down to Sligo till the cows come home and I'll never need to worry about charging. But I, I, I'll use it for that. As I said, we have five adults in the house. I'd imagine the range neck car will be an electric car. Um, I, I'd imagine the pattern will be you only use the, the diesel if you are doing a long journey. Other than that, you pot around locally in the electric. Um, so we need to improve home charging, which is easier said than done. Grand for me here in Knocklion, actually have one. Had an electric car a few years ago, lent to me and they put in a charger. So grand for me, I'm in a house. Um, if you're an apartment dweller, if you're renting, there's if you're relying on the public infrastructure and the public infrastructure isn't good enough or fast enough yet. So we're nearly there. And um, when we look back on the change, we will say that it happened quickly. Uh, as we sit here right now, it probably still feels slow, but it'll be a bit like the smartphone. You know, uh, yeah. uh, one day it's only iPhones and the nerds are showing them to you. Uh, it feels like two years later, absolutely everybody has them. And I, I think electric cars will go the same way. Um, just, just a couple of things. I just want to mention, I don't know if you remember this, but uh, myself, yourself, and Neil Briscoe, um, did the electric vehicle um, show in Croke Park many moons ago where we yeah, had a good banter right. about and I, and I brought yeah. up the swap and drop technology. I really wanted that to take on. But yeah. there's something, I, I can't remember where I read it recently enough, but there was talk of, um, I suppose, generating electricity from lampposts. So when, when, mm. when you start thinking about, uh, and I know home charging is the way forward, we, we yeah. you just mentioned there, if you live in an apartment or if you're in Dublin City, like if you go out onto Clonliffe Road, half the houses do not have uh, driveways. 
Okay. Yeah. Um, but do you think that we'll ever get to a point where charging infrastructure will include the likes of lampposts, etc., where people can go up with their smart card, doop, and charge yeah. their post? Yeah. Well, you're you're going a little bit further into the future there, but um, but yes, I mean, certainly on a on a twenty year time horizon, there's all sorts of exciting technologies being looked at. One of the ones I I find fascinating is induction charging, which is a magnet recessed into a parking space, yeah. so it's contactless. So all you have to do is park the electric car on it. And it starts induction charging, um, and you know, hopefully, we we'll live in a world where where uh, every roof tile and every house is a solar panel, where you know, uh, uh, micro generation happens all the time and feeds into the grid, and and we just plug our cars in and get used to it, and um, you know, it's potentially a really exciting future, and we'll still be arguing about congestion and insurance prices and God knows what not, but 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 at least we will be off the drug of oil which is as i said humanity's heroin and ireland has it bad um, and 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 hope hopefully uh, running ourselves on a, on a 21st century power source which would be great yeah well, and unfortunately and i'm nearly at my last question connor right but unfortunately in my mind and i must sound like such a pessimist i have this fear <laughs> right 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 now the um i suppose the the God, I can't even think of the correct word. The, the, the least expensive way to drive is clearly with electric vehicle, if you own a vehicle, right? If you own a vehicle, yeah. Obviously, sharing is going to be part of our future. Um, ride sharing and things like that will be part of our future. Um, but my fear is with electric prices, the way they're going now, and I, I thought this, regardless of what's happening now, that in the future, when electric cars are the mass-produced thing of the mm. future, when we all have one, the price of electricity is going to be so high, there's going to be no yeah. savings there either. Okay, last question for you, Connor. We're going to wrap up now, okay? <laughs> um, so while I'm saying goodbye to everyone, I want you to think of a song that I'm going to play at the end of the show, okay? So I'm going to oh. say goodbye to everyone now, and when I come back and say, right, Connor, what tune? You're going to turn around and say, this tune, and that'll be it, okay? <laughs> so, ladies and gentlemen, Tonight or today, you've been listening to the brilliant Mr. Connor Falkland. Uh, and of course, you can listen to uh, his podcast, Driving Life, on Spotify, which is where you're listening to me right now or anywhere else. Have I said the right name, Driving Life? Yeah, Driving Life with Connor, with Falkland, Connor Falkland. On, Yeah, seniortimes.ie or wherever you get your podcasts. It's great to be able to say a phrase like that. Absolutely. And it's, it's strange hearing you say, I, I must get this podcast onto wherever you get your podcast. I'm only on Spotify. Um, yeah. But but folks, I don't brilliant. know how it works. Incidentally, the guys do it and up it goes. So I'm only too delighted, but it goes up on Apple Podcasts and uh, Spotify and SoundCloud and various others. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I, the, the lads work their magic. Um, <clears throat> Sorry, frog in my throat. Okay, so folks, I'm going to wrap up. I'm going to say a big thank you to Mr. Connor Falcon for joining us tonight. To all of you who've tuned in, thank you so much. Uh, as I always say, like, share, um, subscribe, do all of those other things. And of course, tune in to Connor's podcast. And what's the name of your, your son's podcast as well, which I wrote down a moment ago? Yeah, Over Overlap Rugby on YouTube. They have a YouTube channel. So uh, two, two Irish brothers who are um, deep down the rabbit hole of rugby nerddom. Um, so you have... Ha have a look if that's your thing. Fantastic. Connor Faulkner, what tune are we going to finish on? Well, I was once caught out by Barry Lang oh, 30 plus years ago uh, singing this tune. I was I was I was in studio waiting to uh, to do my traffic report and um, I, he was playing a tune and I was just singing along to it. And he, he faded the tune down and faded me up and my raucous singing voice went out to the nation. Uh, so he made an idiot on me then. But I always liked the tune and it popped into my head the other day. So why not? It's Simple Minds Alive and Kicking. 
um, I, I say, as, as, as sung occasionally by me, but, but better usually by Simple Minds. Absolutely fantastic. Folks, we'll see you next week. Connor, stay in the line.